3: All right, America, I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, right here in New York City. The mob, the media mob, is muzzling the masses. They're trying to shut people up. Yesterday, we saw a little bit, we heard a little bit about Josh Hawley and how he's suing and being sued and this and that and cancel culture is running amok. And it doesn't stop there. People like me, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, that's right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden. We're seeing it from all over. Check this out, New York Post, today. Goya Foods moves to muzzle its Trump-supporting CEO. Now, the company, Goya Foods, has voted to silence its pro-Trump CEO, Robert Unanwe, following his recent television appearances, questioning the results of the presidential election. More muzzling. The Hispanic foods giant, agreed to censure Unanwe, 67 years old, for controversial remarks in the wake of the deadly January 6th invasion of the United States Capitol, including on January 20th, when he called Biden's election unverified during an appearance on Fox Business. The vote by a majority of Goya's nine member board means that Unanwe must now obtain board permission before making any more media appearances. Now, that's messed up. But the quote from the uh, family is that Bob doesn't speak for Goya Foods when he speaks on TV. A Goya board member and third generation owner, Andy Unanwe, uh, told the New York Post last week. The family has diverse views on politics, but politics is not a part of our business. Our political point of views are irrelevant. Well, I think this goes without saying. I don't think anybody is saying that when you see Bob Unanwe, Goya CEO on TV, that he's saying that Goya thinks that Biden is a fraud. I don't think anybody thinks that. I think they're thinking that guy whose mouth is moving and words are coming out is saying that and that he believes that. Wow. It's amazing that you have to put disclaimers on everything nowadays. There's a a quote here from Unanwe, and he says, I think it's mission accomplished, mission accomplished by the union, by the partnership, by the conglomerate of social media, big tech, big media, and big government for ushering the dawn of a new world order. This great reset is what Unanwe told uh, Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business, with an unverified election, and the big prize is the United States. And I wish we had that audio, but the reality is that's his opinion, and I think it's completely legit to have an opinion. I happen to be an opinion host on the radio. It's what I do. So, of course, I'm going to defend anybody's opinion, Uh, honestly. People came down hard on Trump, oh, he's a white supremacist because he won't change the names of military bases that have been around for 200 years that have the names of Confederate generals or whatever and he says, I didn't name him, I'm not changing him. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but the problem is they want they want to make it a big deal. It's like, well how could why wouldn't you change them Trump? you have to change these things. I don't think Trump has to change anything In politics you don't interject yourself or inject yourself into a debate that has nothing to do with you. If somebody named those things, I agree with Trump. I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. That's not my problem. It's not my fight. There's no reason for me to get into this right now. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, if, if I'm not a black person or I'm not a Hispanic person, that I don't believe in civil rights because I'll, I'll say I'm a white guy or I'm a Chinese guy. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you mind your business and, and turn a blind eye. I'm saying this is a political trap. Somebody telling you, oh, but you got to change this, you got to change that. No, man, you don't have to do anything, especially something as silly as that. If people want to change that, let them go through the natural manner of changing it. The way they name them is the way they can change them. And nobody knows how to do those things better than the left. But anyway, going back to Robert Unanwe, who declined to comment on on the actual uh, vote, but not on the vote that Goya took. With their board, but saying that he's having second thoughts about publicizing his political views, quote, independently, I've made the decision to lower the temperature and walk away from speaking about politics and religion. He said, I realize it's important because of the diverse views of the company and our market. Now, I just want a quick pause there. Listen, I think everybody has to be smart about what they talk about. And I'm not saying that he wasn't being smart. He's actually a very smart guy. I've spoken to him before. I interviewed him. It's right on wabcradio.com. If you want to take a look at it for uh, Hispanic Heritage Day a few months ago, uh, I had him on. We talked for 15 minutes or so, and it was a terrific time. And honestly, he brought up uh, his faith. He brought up the visit that he had in the White House when he had the whole drama where AOC led a boycott against him that shot his sales through the roof and some boycott that was. It ended up becoming a boycott. And. I thought that was uh, the beauty of American exceptionalism, the beauty of American capitalism, that you can try to destroy somebody in your Stalinistic ways, all out crazy, AOC, my least favorite congressman from the Bronx and Queens, and it can blow up in your face because Latinos, Hispanos, gringos, everybody stepped up for Goya, and that's a good thing. So now with that being said, I'm jumping back into this. Babu Nanwe, who's the CEO of Goya Foods, personally owns less than 5% of the business. And he didn't fully uh, close the door on speaking out about his political views either. Saying, I don't believe I should speak politically or in a faith-based manner on behalf of the company. Again, pretty clear. I don't think if he's speaking about Jesus, he's not doing it on behalf of Goya. And I guess this is the, the, the part that a lot of companies have in their... You know, when they hire somebody and they say, you know, you're going to represent this company, you know, you're going to have to table some of your personal views. I guess the difference is when your grandfather or great-grandfather started the company, you can have a little bit more leeway. So I get that. I do understand when companies want to temper the um, personal views of someone else. If let's say you are a big advocate for some social cause and you happen to be the president of a small company – the, the people who own the and not your own company, but some hired as a CEO. I could see people saying, look, we're paying you to do this job, not to be some sort of activist. We don't want you in, in the public square saying X, Y and Z. That's their right to ask. And it's your right to say, go f yourself. I'm not going to do it. So that's kind of the give and take that we have in this thing that we call liberty. Anyway, the head of the um, company said that he was truly blessed to have Trump for president. And that was when all hell broke loose when he said that he was truly blessed. And, you know, I think it's it's a shame that words as simple as we're blessed to have a president like President Trump, and that led to those efforts I was telling you about about the boycott that that sparked all this controversy with so many people getting involved. And, you know, again, to each his own. Everybody's got their free speech. I can disagree with your position on hating Goya because he said that it's good to have something called the Hispanic Prosperity Initiative. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. But anyway. So anyway, it goes on. And AOC is famous for saying, oh, look, it's the sound of me uh, Googling how to make your own adobo. And that's what she said on July 9th, which sparked, you know, really just usually more of the same for her Um Self-serving media stuff. You would think she was in the talk show game. You know, the way she self-promotes. Did You know, I bring this up a lot. She did not pass one piece of legislation in her entire first term. Now, there were something like nine new freshman legislators from the state of New York. Only two of them didn't get not one, not a single piece of legislation signed into law. Her and... Uh, Another congressman that was uh, also a freshman. I believe he coming out of um, the Hudson Valley. I could be wrong. Now, that guy, maybe I'll give him a pass. Why? Because he's not AOC and doesn't have a a gajillion people following him on social media. And he's not this huge icon in American politics that she is. How is it that you can have all of this influence, all of these people be on TV as much as Trump and not get a single law passed when you're a lawmaker? Blows me away. Blows me away that they even reelected her based on that. And, of course, it shows you that she's not a congressperson for the sake of being a congressperson. She happens to be an activist that got elected to Congress, and she's still an activist. And, you know, she doesn't even do what what the congresspeople do, like pass laws, show up to events. <laughs> she shows up for sit-ins in Nancy Pelosi's office, and good for her. Um, my critique isn't really uh, on, you know, her blasting of Pelosi. I blast Pelosi, too. My critique is on how people have taken social media and big star fandom and all of that and turned it into the current day political experiment that we have. So now we have somebody who does makeup tutorials. She's in Elle magazine. She's all over the place. And we think she's a congressperson that's doing things for America, doing things for her constituents. But is she? She's famous for not voting for the coronavirus relief package that everybody wanted. That was a bipartisan thing. Everybody agreed. The president signed it. They did it. One, two, three. She was the only person in America that voted against it. Yet she uh, and again, I understand her position. I'm I, you know, perfectly frank with you. there, There are times where I go, you know, good for her for taking a stand because Washington needs more people that are willing to stand up, but not exactly the way that she does it. And again. My critique on AOC is part of a uh, it's like English literature American literature w- when the novelist creates a story and there's a plot line and there's always a foil there's that one villain that you always go back to and tag that's my AOC right all out crazy because who doesn't love to sit there and critique a- AOC there's so much to talk about going back she said all that stuff the boycott was countered by calls for a boycott and you already know the rest they did fantastic with their sales and Nielsen data shows that sales of Goya beans grew how much 82% and rice by 85% rice and beans was on every table in America after AOC said don't buy this stuff and that went on for about nine weeks and that's terrific not to mention these guys donate a ton of money to food drives and whatnot so I think you know and you could read the article on your own it's in the New York Post but I just wanted to bring that up because it's one more example of cancel culture And how the media mob is trying to manipulate people and manipulate the masses, just everybody and anybody they can to tell you what you have to say. I'm here to say, hell no. I get on this microphone and I'll say what I want to say. And there are others that are doing it on social media and other places and on street corners. And I encourage everybody, keep talking because that is what America was built on, literally and figuratively. America was built by people that shared their truth. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Welcome back, America. Bienvenido. I am Rich Valdez, and we're talking about Goya, Goya Foods CEO, who is under fire for comments that he made on Fox News' Sunday morning briefing with Maria Bartiromo. And I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but what I do want to say is that I think he's got a great sense of humor, Babu Nanwe. One of the things that he did last month was he named representative Ocasio Cortez, my least favorite Congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, AOC all out crazy and named her employee of the month saying that because of her sales spiked following those calls. And that was a funny story that we did. And he uh, went on to say lots of really good things. And he said, he respects president Biden and just doesn't know if everyone uh, you know, agrees with him. And again, felt that the election, in his opinion, was unverified. And there are a lot of people that have questions about what happened in the 2020 election. And, of course, there were multiple instances that I kept you abreast of where these were open and shut cases. And one that uh, I always remember just because of the numbers, it was 137 counts of voter fraud in Texas because the one woman, she was in charge of a nursing home facility and had 137 beds in the unit she was responsible for and took their absentee ballots and voted the way she wanted to. It just happened to be she voted for Joe Biden, and she got caught. And that, my friends, is called ballot fraud, voter fraud. That's a real thing, and that is a published part of the public record. It's news. You can look it up. So there obviously are instances like that that have occurred across the country, and the real question has always been, was there enough of that to change the outcome of the election. And this is what's something that uh, Attorney General Barr said no and everybody said, Oh my gosh, how could you say that? And you know, and there's a lot of questions around that. And I think the day that we are no longer able to ask questions and just accept what we're told is really the day that, you know, you lose your liberty because that's part of being a free people is saying, what's going on? And so I bring that up because that was the topic of discussion on ABC this week with George Stephanopoulos. George Stephanopoulos, uh, you know, he's a really tall guy that used to work for Clinton. And he – that's a joke, by the way. He's shorter than me. And uh, the senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul, named after Ayn Rand, the uh, author. Now, Senator Paul, I thought, handled himself beautifully – but was put under pressure by Stephanopoulos. And that's when he decided to lay the smackdown on big George. And I thought it was beautiful. This is about a three minute exchange. I've cut it up into a couple of pieces so I can narrate along the way and so that you don't get bored to tears. But I don't think you're going to get bored to tears listening to these guys because it was a really interesting um, matchup between the two of them. I want you to listen to Senator Paul and George Stephanopoulos, ABC this week. Check this out.
1: No election is perfect, but there there were eighty six challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Every state certified the results dismissed. after investigations. Not, not, for, not for, count, Yeah, but after not investigations, counts, evidence, counts. They were and in the recounts, standard. the De- Department of Justice, Barr said there is no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words? This yeah. election was well, not what stolen. What I would
2: suggest is. What I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at inte- election integrity, and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections.
1: Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. Why can't you say? Well, I think a you make, I think, I think a, you make a
2: mistake. In, uh, hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that. People coming from the liberal side like you you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say that the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. Well, because, I Senator, I said what the president fact, said was a lie because to. he said, hold we're on a second. To. He said
1: the election was stolen. This election was not stolen. This, the results were certified in every you're single was, state saying, after counts saying, and recounts.
2: You're saying that absolutely it was you're saying there was no fraud in it's. It's all been investigated. That's just not true. So it's not example, what I said, sir.
1: I said the Department of Justice and, found no, no evidence. Let, let, let me finish. finish my point. Well, you you said something lie. that was you, not true. You say
2: we're all liars. You're just simply saying we're all liars. And I said it was a lie that the election was stolen. Premise that you're right and we're wrong. Well, let, no, well let's, let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out this time. They weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, oh, it's a pandemic and people forgot what their address was. So they changed the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems. And I won't be cowed by liberals in the media, who say, there's no evidence here, and you're a liar if you talk about election fraud.
3: No, let's have an open debate. It's a
2: free country.
3: (laughs) George, 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 hold on, George. Wait a second, George. You're putting yourself right into the middle of this, and you're saying that everybody's a liar. Man, this is a great conversation, because I think it, it strikes at the heart of what's actually happening in the current debate and what's going on. Now, we have another clip lined up that I want you to hear.
2: But at the same time, I'm not willing just to sit here and say, oh, everybody on the Republican side is a liar and there is no fraud. No, there were lots of problems, and there were secretaries of state who illegally changed the law, and that needs to be fixed, and I'm going to work hard to fix it, and I won't be cowed by people saying, oh, you're a liar. That's the problem with the media today is they say all Republicans are liars and everything we say is a lie. There are two sides to every story. Interview somebody on the other side, but don't insert yourself into the story to say we're all liars because we there, the there, election there, election there election are
1: not they are not two there are not two sides of the story this has been looked at in every single state the Hell, sure there are certified there in are every two sides single to every state. story
2: george you're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting who you are as a journalist if you think there's only one side. You're inserting yourself into the story to say, I'm a liar because I want to look at election fraud and I want to look at secretaries of state who illegally changed the voter laws without the permission of their state legislatures. That is incontrovertible. It happened. And you can't just sweep that under the rug and say, oh, nothing to see here, and everybody's a liar, and you're a fool if you bring this up. You're inserting yourself into the story. A journalist I'm, would hear both sides, and there are two sides of this story. I'm,
1: sta- I'm sta- by facts, there are not two sides to facts. I did not say there, that this was a perfect election. I said it was the results were certified. I said it was not stolen. It is You're a saying lie to people say it are is liars.
2: You're, You're saying stolen. people are liars if they want to investigate what happened in the election.
3: So people are liars if they want to investigate what's going on in an election. Now that's the question that's on the table. What is the story with respect to if you have a question, if you doubt something, if you don't agree with something? Does it make you a pariah? Are you? Do you have to be chased out of town? Do you need to be canceled? Is that where we currently live? And I think some people push back and say, well, like Stephanopoulos is making the case here. No, 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 I'm not saying – I'm just saying that the election wasn't stolen. And Rand Paul is saying, well, it's difficult to say that things are not stolen when we have clear evidence of, of you know, what they want to call irregularities. And you know some of the president's attorneys bring up the fact that if you have just one set of irregularities that have to do with uh, people who are of not a certain age or whatever the case is, and you have an election that was won or lost by 10,000 votes. In a situation where you have an election that's won or lost by 10,000 votes, it's really not a big margin. So in any situation where something may have been done erroneously, and again, I think we talked about this before, but I think it's it's worth repeating because I think these guys both raise an issue. Stephanopoulos wants to make it like hands down, nobody's allowed to say the thing was illegitimate. And I think Rand Paul is saying, well, we can't go not so fast. How could we say that something's not legitimate or legitimate or not if we haven't really looked at it, if we haven't examined it, if... We know that there were problems with X, Y and Z or the the one quote that I love that he said, oh, it's a pandemic and people forget their address. And, and in fact, this is the, the rationale that they use when they threw out signature verifications and things like that. So I think these are legitimate questions. We had an election where we've never had so many mail-in votes like we did in 2020. And I think these are legitimate questions that deserve to be answered. People deserve to know the answers to these things. And I think Senator Paul made a, a Poignant statement when he says, you know, in the past, you would have me here giving my piece and you'd bring somebody else in to do their piece. But that's not the case. Now, Stephanopoulos argues on behalf of the left. The media is in effect synonymous with the left. And now because the media is the mob. Right, They are the national popular vote people. They have the majority. They have the numbers. They'll continue to grow those numbers however they want, whether it's through immigration or through continually changing it. In California, there's talk about lowering the voting age by two years so you can bring in a bunch of teenagers, 16-year-olds, to now elect who goes to the White House. I think these are all very serious questions, and it's a conversation that we need to have. But you can't have that conversation. If the media, the big tech, big media, big government like uh, Babu Nanwe said from, from Goya or even his own company, his own family turning on him saying that he can't have an opinion in the public square just because of the job he has. We can't get to the answers of these things. We can't have these conversations because those that have the power are stifling the speech. And that's a real question. The real question becomes, should we be stifling speech? Should we be canceling people because they disagree with us? I think if you disagree with me, I welcome those calls all the time. But it doesn't seem that the other side, or at least a faction of the other side, allows that. So don't move a muscle because they say that Trump can't survive, that the movement is over. I say otherwise. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Welcome back, Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all social media. We talked about cancel culture and how the mob, the media mob, the media is acting like a mob and they're basically, you know, my way or the highway. That is, in simplest form, fascism. And that's what's happening. They're going after Cruz. They're going after Hawley uh, because they dared to challenge the electoral vote count. And again, this is one of those things that's built into the Constitution, built into the system. And I think... When we're going to start blasting people for fulfilling their duty as an elected official and more so just exploring constitutional avenues, we got a real problem because now it's like, listen, you know, um, I, I don't want you ratting on me if I'm if I'm going to rob you, <laughs> or I'm going to cheat you or I'm going to do whatever you can't do. It. And I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying you, if there is a reaction that we can have, we have to be allowed to explore it. That's the bottom line. Unless, you know, I'm wrong. Let me know. 1-800-848-9222 is the phone number. 1-800-848-WABC. Now, there's a lot of talk about what happens now. What is the future of the Make America Great Again movement? What happens now that the president is going to be put on trial in a couple of days? They're extending the National Guard. So much of that is, you know, up in the air. And there's a lot of uncertainty around it. The reality is we just don't know. We don't know what happens, but that doesn't stop Republicans in name only like Jeff Flake, former senator from Arizona, who was much like the um, other former senator from Arizona. uh, May God rest his soul. John McCain, war hero, great American patriot, in my opinion. But I do believe I had, you know, differing views and I voted for McCain. But I think it's clear that when you have a party system. And you have parties that create platforms and you put them out there. It's understood that you believe in a lot of what I believe in, so I ascribe to the party because you know I believe in small businesses, I believe in small government, I believe in l- limited taxation. And you think, all right, these guys are going to fight for me. But when you see those guys and they they act exactly like the other side and going beyond actual um, actual compromise on occasion, I'm talking about this is their go-to. They become that guy that always sides with the Democrats or always cuts the deal. You, you have a choice. You could say, well, you know, you can like McCain uh, fashioned himself as a maverick, or you can say, you know, these guys are rhinos. They're not really on board for the Republicans or they're soft or they're moderate or whatever. And you got to make choices and realize this is, this is how it goes. So bottom line is, We've got people saying, what's going to be the next step for President Trump? Now, yesterday, the president put out a statement from his new office, the office of the former president. And uh, I would have thought he would have called it the Trump Center or the Trump Library, Presidential Library, which I'm guessing those are coming down the road. But maybe this is just the first step to announce those projects, uh, saying that, you know, Trump will continue. I'll read you the statement, but that Trump will continue his work to advance the interest of the United States. And it's going to handle his schedule and public statements, appearances, official activities and public activism. So I say, Hey, check it out. Trump is back and good for him. I'm glad the president's back. I'm glad he's making a comeback, but guys like Senator Jeff Flake, they say that there is no future for El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente, But instead, that it's over for him. Check this out.
0: You know, the party has a grand tradition of Republicans supporting Democrats on occasion. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you remember, in 1992, David Duke uh, was a Republican nominee in Louisiana for governor. Mm -hmm. Uh, George H.W. Bush and a a number of Senate Republicans uh, endorsed the Democrat, uh, knowing that uh, if the Republican was elected, it would be bad for the party. Barry Goldwater um, in the 1990s, endorsed a Democrat for Congress uh, who later won because he knew that it would do damage to the party if uh, if we continued that way. And, and that's the way it is right now. There is no future uh, with Trumpism. It, it just uh, there's no coherent governing philosophy. It's a, it's more of an attitude than a than a philosophy.
3: More of an attitude than a philosophy. I say, Flake, I think you don't know what you're talking about. You know, I'll be fair. I'm going to put on my super objective hat today. There is an attitude uh, of F you get out of my way that comes with being a Trump supporter. And I love it. It's like being a New Yorker in many ways. However, there is definitely a philosophy and it's best summed up by America first. Now, people say, oh, but that's phony populism. Um, I wouldn't even say it's populism, quite frankly. I really wouldn't. I, I think that these are people that, Are There are populists. Let me not not say that there aren't. There are populists. But I think the majority of them are patriots. They love their country. They want to see their country do well. They don't want to see their country overrun by foreign entities. And I don't think that's extreme to say that. I mean, you look at the growth, the economic growth that many millionaires, billionaires had in the United States at the tail end of the Obama administration. Uh, And honestly, like right after the economic crisis. You know, as that began to dissipate, people weren't making money in the U.S. because we were still recovering from that. People were making money in China. A lot of American companies were making money in China. And the problem with that is, yes, it's a global market. It's a global economy. Uh, I'm with you there. However, when you go too far in one direction and you go into a store and you try to buy something and you look around, you go, wow, there's literally nothing here that's made in the country that I live in. We're not circulating our dollar in our own economy anymore. We're circulating our dollar in China. And then it's going all over the place before it comes back to us, if it comes back to us. And that becomes a problem. This is why so many uh, garment manufacturers and whatever. And again, I talk about this from uh, a position of when I grew up in high school, if you had to have a fight after school. And listen, I like to argue with everybody, but I, I, I'm not throwing down every day. doesn't mean I'll shy away from the fight. Just it's not my thing. But. You know, you go, you see, oh, fight, 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 fight. And everybody goes out. We would go, I went to North Bergen High School. And you go down to Cottage Avenue. And all you saw in that area were clothing um, manufacturers, textile factories. That's it. That was done in the United States. I had lots of friends whose moms were immigrants, became citizens, lived in the United States. But they worked in textiles. They worked in those factories. They were known... Union City, West New York, North Bergen, that whole part of the world was known for being like the textile capital of America. This is where we were producing garments and and cloth and sewing things and whatever they did, lots of things, embroidery, so much embroidery. Most of it is all gone. I, I don't know if there's any of those factories that still remain. There's, you know, some tributes to them. If you go by like 32nd Street, Union City, you'll see sewing machines. They have these displays. They even put up a a hipster high rise and they called it the Silk Factory because they, you know, there's a play on on Silk Thread. The point is, all of that being said, that was an economy decimated, an economy that mainly helped not even black and brown, just brown. Most of the people that work there and live in that area of Hudson County, New Jersey, are all Hispanic. Most of them didn't even speak English. So you look at that and you say, how did that help? How did it help to reduce the cost of a pair of Nikes? It got more expensive in the U.S. It got cheaper to make them in China. So China wins, Nike wins, and the people lose. So I understand how capitalism works in supply and demand, but they also don't play fair. And if you're not playing fair, that's when it becomes a problem. And I don't want to get into this whole big geopolitical thing on China, although it seems like I'm going there, right? But it's not really what I want to do. But the point is, if they're making fake Nikes or what we call Air Gordons, and you you know you want to go buy a pair of Air Jordans and they're 200 bucks, you get the Air Gordons on the street in Chinatown, now you're messing with the U.S. economy, you're messing with Nike, it, you're bringing in an inferior product, and it doesn't help. So that doesn't mean there's no space for international trade. That just means don't play with dirty people. And China's a dirty person. They steal stuff. They make fake Viagra. They steal. They make Pfizer, Viagra, and then they stop the presses. All right, we're done. We made you a 1,000 pills. All right, everybody, come back. at cheaper ingredients. Make another 1,000 pills. We're selling these on the black market. And they got these fake pills, and they sell fake Viagra, fake this, fake that, fake Yamaha motorcycles. I learned all about this in an article I read in Forbes magazine probably about 8, 9, 10 years ago. So anyway, bottom line is when you have that kind of partner, Uh, As a trade partner, you don't want that kind of partner because ultimately you're cutting off your nose to spite your own face. So what do we do? We get a guy like Trump that comes in and says, well, you know what, NATO, NATO isn't paying their fair share. We're paying the bulk of what goes into NATO. We have to do what's right here by America. You get Trump coming in saying, you know what, China can't do this. We're going to put tariffs on China up the wazoo. We're going to have a trade war. Screw them. And we're going to weaken them. And we have been weakening them until they found their new partner. And just by the way, the snow is now falling. I'm looking out the window and it's coming down. That's, that was really fast. Anyway, this is the problem. So saying that there's no future for Trumpism in America, this guy's out of his mind. We've never seen a Republican have so much gravitas like Trump to the point where you have some, some zealots that go off the deep end. And it's not because of him. They were always zealots. They just found residence in his movement and tried to hijack it. Trump was never about violence. He's always been about the green. That's why he didn't start any new wars. He didn't do anything like that. He didn't even invoke the Insurrection Act, not even one time when he totally could have during the George Floyd riots. Trump isn't that guy. He's a lover, not a fighter. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all social media. Now, Joe Biden doesn't believe that Trump will be convicted at his impeachment trial. That's according to CNN. I'm reading a piece in Reuters here. President Joe Biden speaks about how his administration plans to strengthen America, American manufacturing, and other things during a brief appearance uh, on the South Court auditorium at the White House. And one of the things that he had to say was, He does not believe there will be enough votes to convict former President Donald Trump at his impeachment trial. I agree with that. They need 17 Republicans to switch over. There was some rumor that they were going to have an impeachment of a United States president and they were going to do it by secret votes. Now, what's funny is even if you voted for um, a regular piece of legislation, your name goes on it. This is what it's about. You have to cast. That's why you're elected. You're elected as a representative to vote. That's how our system of republicanism, small R, that's how it works. This is why we use an electoral college because we're not a direct democracy. We use elements of democracy. And this is probably why it ticks me off when the Democrats just use oh, our democracy, our democracy, because it fools people into thinking, you know, why? Why do we even have an elector- electoral college if we are a democracy? It's a great question. And the answer is we're not a democracy. We just use elements of it in our representative democracy. And it's, we elect representatives to make those choices, as you all know. So he says he doesn't think that we're going to get the 17 Republicans in the Senate who are going to vote to convict Trump. The number necessary if all 50 Democrats vote for a conviction, according to CNN. And I don't think it's going to happen either. I don't think Joe Manchin is going to cave. I think Joe Manchin's going to say this is overkill. Uh, I mean, he may have indicated otherwise, but I think when push comes to shove, he's still in West Virginia. West Virginia is still Trump country, and it's a very, very conservative place. It's amazing that they get a guy like him elected time and again because he knows how to play the teeter-totter game because he's really not. He's really not a crazy radical leftist Democrat, and so he votes as often as he can on the radical left agenda that comes his way. But there are certain things where he knows, I'm done. I'm dead in the water if I you know, try to string up Trump after the fact. Mind you, Trump's gone. He's in Mar-a-Lago. He's, he's coughing, but that doesn't stop anybody. Now, with that being said, you have Senator Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer says the only way to heal America is for us to impeach and convict. Check this out.
0: Everyone wants to put this awful chapter in American history behind us, but sweeping it under the rug will not bring healing. The only way to bring healing is to actually have real accountability, which this trial affords.
3: Yeah, real accountability. So, you know, it's like, you know, you go to a Thanksgiving dinner, you get into arguments with your cousins, with your aunt, with your whoever, whatever it is, you get into a thing and then you're just going to be like, you know what? Every Thanksgiving, I'm going to bring up that fight. Not going to let bygones be bygones. I'm not going to forgive and forget. I'm going to bring that up every single time. Does that sound like a way to bring about healing, to have progress? Of course not. There's no way that that can happen. And he's not the only one. Of course, you've got Eric Swallowswell. Now, Eric, he also says that we have to continue and that the Constitution makes space to impeach a former president, even though he's wrong. Check this out.
0: Do you plan to address the constitutional authority, as has been raised by some of these Republicans, for the House to bring an impeachment against somebody and for the Senate to convict somebody who's no longer serving? It's constitutional. The Senate is steeped in tradition and custom. And I think it would be persuasive to them that they have actually done this before. They've held a trial for somebody mm. who was no longer in office. And I think it's because the constitution says that You're one of the, about penalty, the
3: secretary of war.
0: That's right. Uh, secretary of war, uh, we will all hear that name more than we probably mm-hmm. want. Uh, but it's because the founders put as one of the penalties disqualification from office. And because Donald Trump, we know will do this again, has such a disdain for democracy and a disdain for public safety. We can't afford as a country to give him a chance to even come close to doing this again.
3: I have a disdain for Eric Swalwell and for people that prostitute the truth in order to advance their own agenda. First of all, no, the United States has never impeached a president after he left office. Swalwell, oh yeah, no, Secretary of War. Is Trump the Secretary of War? No, he's not. This is not dog catcher. It's the president of the United States. And for anybody to play fast and loose with the Constitution means they skip that whole month in fifth grade when they teach the Constitution. You don't just get to play things. There's a whole impeachment clause. The president is the only person in the entire United States of America, the president and the vice president, the only people that get their own federal election. There's no other federal office where every American gets to vote. You vote for your senator. That's a statewide thing. You vote for whatever you want. It's all statewide, local, congressional district. It's not at the federal level where all 50 states are involved. Because the importance of the presidency was huge. It's one guy that represents an entire third of our government. Executive branch, legislative branch, judicial branch, right? The judiciary is made up of a bunch of judges. The, uh, uh, the legislative branch is made up of uh, both houses of Congress. But yet, the executive branch... One guy who commands this massive swamp staff. Why would the founders have done that? Because they felt that you needed an executive that had power, but not enough power to be a king. So clearly, this stuff makes sense. If you've read, you know, just a shred of American history, clearly Swalwell hasn't. And this is why they go off the deep end. So now Chuck Schumer, well, you know, the best thing that we can do is impeach him so that we can have healing. Great. So we, we kicked him out. We we put the slap on the wrist. We impeached him. His term is over. He's out. Instead of letting him retire off into the sunset, no, 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 Hold on. Forget Biden in his first hundred days. We've got to focus on Trump. we got to keep Trump in the mainstream. we got to kick him while he's down. Forget kicking him while he's down. Put your boot on his throat. Make sure this guy doesn't get up again. Does that sound like uh, like the people you want to be, the people you want representing you? Not me. I mean, I can't imagine. People always say, oh, Republicans are weak. I got to tell you, it's not that they're weak per se. I think it's that they're not ruthless. They're not ruthless where they're like, oh, no, we're going to get you. We're going to get you. After you're out of here, we're going to get you. When you're not even president, we're going to get you. And once that's done, we're going to have our friends in state government. We're going to have the Florida people that we got, New York attorney general, New York city district attorney, anybody that we can, they're going to try and nail you to the cross. Because we hate your guts. We hate the fact that you have spoken in a very plain English, very plain language that inspired guys that have white dust on their boots because they're construction workers. That inspired people that worked as waitresses at diners and waffle houses across America. That inspires people that work in television and in radio. And so many, so many people believe in a message where America comes first. So many people believe in a country that they that they love and they want to see it get better and stronger so they can pass it on to their children and it was trump that brought this to the forefront by constantly pointing these things out saying you know what that's a bad deal for america we're 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 getting the short end of the stick and we need to do better and he did that he threatened involvement in the united nations great when was the last time the un did anything good for the united states it doesn't and it's not its purpose either It's something that we kind of created so that we could have influence and help other nations. And, okay, granted, if that's what you want to do, I was involved in the UN. I was chair of the advocacy committee for the United Nations Association uh, coming out of New Jersey. And I did that for two years, and I've been to UN headquarters and the General Assembly Hall and all that stuff. been to Washington lobbying on behalf of keeping America at the table of the UN. I'm not pro-UN, but I think if there's going to be a UN, the UN – should be represented in in leadership by the U.S. I don't want a U.N. where China's in charge. I don't want a U.N. where Iran is in charge. We created the U.N. so that we could help those that are less fortunate. And when other countries try and take over, not a good look. So my point with all of that is no big fan of the U.N. But while Nikki Haley was there for two years, I was there for two years. And uh, I did what I could to advance an American agenda, an America First agenda. Because I believe that to be the, the correct way. Now, some people say, well, that's your American arrogance. Yeah, probably. I'm not going to argue that one. If I wanted to live in another country, I'd live in another country. I don't want to live in another country because I love America. And I think you do too. And that's why you listen to this program. And that's why our podcast, This Is America, does so well. So make sure you continue to download that and share it with everybody. It just went up about 17 chart positions. I checked it this morning. So thank you again. That's literally tens of thousands of you guys across America that downloaded, put it on automatic download, share it with your friends on social media, and especially young people. More and more young people contact me and are following me on social media because they like the show. And we appreciate that. And of course, everybody that's out on Eastern Long Island that's you know chiming in and bringing their opinion to the fourfold and listening to the program. We can't do this without you. And that's why I always say it's so important for you to stand for something. If you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to be afraid to do nothing. That's Sir Edmund Burke. That's Lord Acton. So take action, do something. And I don't mean storm the Capitol. I mean, use your brain. Be smart about it. And hasta la próxima, America. This is America. I'm Rich Valdez.
2: This is America.
0: Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site